I am starting this way too late, guys. Playing tennis on Saturday mornings. First of all, I'm obsessed with tennis. I love tennis. I am a professional tennis player now. Um, but it's really fucking up my days. <laughs> really gonna have to figure out some daytime recording. Uh, to, you know, I like I went and got my nails done. Then I came home and took a nap. Took like a full two hour nap, which I'm still hungover from because I get really bad nap hangovers when I sleep for hours in the middle of the day, shockingly. So <laughs> sorry if I'm a little low energy. I just completely fucked myself. Like it's a hundred percent my fault. I also am like not obsessed with my nails, which is a real bummer. Like they're, you know, when they're like cute, but they're not like quite right. Unfortunately, that's where I am today. Oh, gosh, my life is really hard. (laughs) Just kidding. Hi, hello. If you'd like to hear more from me, please go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. I talk about all sorts of shit over there. This week, I basically recreated this mushroom, R.I.P., and did an episode on Apollo and Phaedra from Real Housewives of Atlanta, two freaks that I fucking love, and I had so much fun talking about them. Not 100% sure what I'm going to do this week, actually, but I talk about all sorts of stuff on there. Internet pop culture, celebrity stuff, documentaries, other reality TV shows that are not Teen Mom. I don't really talk about fiction shows. I get people asking me to talk about fiction shows a lot, but I don't know. I don't, I feel like it's just like, they're just, it's just not my thing, you know, like I'm just never sure, like, what I want to say about fiction shows. That would could be a whole episode. Um, although I am really excited for Succession to come back. I did finish the third season. That final, like, 20 minutes of the season three finale was so fucking good. <laughs> although I think I talked about this last time. Every When I'm watching Succession, all I can think about is Jeremy Strong being a method actor and acting as Kendall Roy. 24-7 and how insufferable that is. Like, that is a hostile work environment. Like, I don't know how anybody deals with that. Yellow Jackets is also back. I really, I thought the first episode of season two was really fun. I always kind of struggle with the present storyline to me, although I love Melanie Linsky and um, Juliette Lewis, Scientology queen. <laughs> You know, look, I, there are some Scientologists I just love. I can't help it. Juliette Lewis, um, Elizabeth Moss. It just, I must said Elizabeth Smart. She's not a Scientologist. <laughs> but I, I don't know. The, like, the modern scenes, like, never quite do it for me. But I love the flashbacks. And this one was wild. So welcome back, Yellow Jackets. I'm really excited about that. I need some more TV shows. The issue with TV is that, like, I have to organically find a TV show. People can recommend me TV shows. I'm like, okay, I'm never going to watch that. I don't know why. I don't know what is wrong with my brain, but I have to find the TV show. Like, it has to be inspired by me. And I'm running out of things to watch, even though there are so many shows that I could watch that I've never watched that have been on my to-watch list forever. But I'm probably just never going to watch them. (laughs) This is, once again, I live a really, a life of just continuous struggles. You know, my life is really, really difficult. Anyway, as you can see from the title, we're going to go to the UK. All right. First, we're going to talk about some current news that's really dark and fucked up. 
And then we're going to hop on a plane and we're going to go to the United Kingdom. And we are going to talk about Teen Mum, which people have been asking me to talk about Teen Mum forever. I Like, since the show came out, I think, I think Feathers existed when the show came out, right? And I've always kind of been like, I don't know. Um, I'm just, like, not that interested in watching it. But I have been trying to find old episodes to recap of Teen Mom 2 or OG. I'm feeling really uninspired. I turn on these episodes and I start to take notes. And I'm like, I would rather melt into a puddle Alex Mack style than watch the rest of this episode. Like, I just, I cannot do this. I cannot talk about it. And so this week I was like, well, what should I talk about? And someone had sent me a message pretty recently and was like, I think you should watch Teen Mom and here's the pitch. It's really interesting. The socioeconomic uh, dynamics are super, super interesting. And I was like, hmm, okay, that had me interested. And I decided I would watch Teen Mom for this episode. I watched the first two episodes. I liked it. It was fun. I'll probably recap it again next week. I'm also toying with the idea of Unexpected. Now, here's the deal. When Unexpected came on, I think it was around the time I was starting Feathers, if not like shortly before or shortly after. It was within the vicinity of when I was starting Feathers, which was six fucking years ago, which is crazy. And people were like, well, you're going to watch it? And I was like, no. I was like, I'm not, like, particularly interested in teen pregnancy. <laughs> like, I, I'm i not like, oh, a teen pregnancy show. Like, I got to check it out. Like, I really am not. I just, like, happened to watch 16 and Pregnant when it came on TV and liked it. And then I happened to, like, get addicted to the Teen Mom online universe. And now here I am, 12 fucking years later, however long it's been, addicted to this shit. So it's not like I'm like, I'm going to find all of the teen pregnancy shows and watch them. I'm so interested by it. No, I just like happen to like the teen mom universe. But I am toying, as I said, toying with the idea of unexpected. Not totally positive. I'll go there. Oh, speaking of other teen mom shows, RIP teen mom young and pregnant. That shit is canceled. Look, they got way more episodes than I thought they would. It said after season three, but they must have been doing A and B seasons, right? Like, there has been more, there have been more seasons than three. There have to be. That doesn't make any sense. That, like, that, there cannot possibly only be three seasons of that show that I watched. I watched way more episodes than that, but I don't know, maybe I haven't. Um, Rest in peace, you know, they never got good ratings, but I'm not so sure MTV cares about ratings. Like, I I don't understand ratings. I don't know how valuable they are to MTV. I think especially Team Mom Young and Pregnant is dirt cheap for them to make. Like, they probably make those episodes for relatively nothing. They pay those girls, like, probably $4,000 an episode. They make no money. They don't have to pay for, like, locations and sets and all of that shit. Reality TV in general is pretty cheap to make, and a show like Teen Mom, Young and Pregnant is especially cheap to make, so I think that's why I did get three seasons, but I'll miss it. I'll miss the idea of it. Um, I've seen a lot of people be like, okay, so Beaver's spinoff when? And yeah, Beaver's spinoff when? 
I'm definitely interested to see what they do with Kayla because I think MTV really likes Kayla and I have been surprised each time they've moved people to Team Mom 2 or whatever fucking we're calling it now, Team Mom the next chapter. I've been surprised each time that they have not included Kayla. Like when it was announced that it was Jade, I was surprised it wasn't Kayla. When it was announced it was Ashley, I was surprised it wasn't Kayla. And I have kind of always thought like maybe they were keeping Kayla there because she was what they viewed as like their anchor. Like she was a real Macy, which they're not similar in any way. But as far as like the anchor of the show, unfortunately, that is Macy. And well, I think MTV views that as Macy and... I wonder if they viewed that as Kayla, but I think they would want her around. I also really think they should do something with Kaya because Kaya, I mean, I, well, first of all, you guys know I love Tiesa and I want to like take Tiesa in my arms and rock her <laughs> like a little baby. And I, <laughs> like, she just, I just love her. I cannot help it. I just want the best for Tiesa. And Tiesa and Tip, or Tiesa. Kaya and Tiffany, I thought, did great on that family reunion. So they'll probably do another season of that family reunion show because, once again, dirt cheap to produce. They're, what, like six episodes? They don't pay them that much to do it, I'm assuming. Like, I think they get a decent paycheck considering they're there for, what, 10 days maximum? But they're not getting, you know, $500,000 like they are for the season of Teen Mom. So I assume they'll do more of those and bring in the Kayla's and the Kaya's. But I thought Kaya did like a really good job on Family Reunion and like really vibed with the cast in a way that I think it would make sense to bring her on Team Mom Next Chapter. Um, I mean, like bring uh, bring Kaya and Kayla on. Why not? Like <laughs> bring them on. I, I think Team Mom Next Chapter works significantly better because there are more people on it. And so I'm like, expand the cast as much as possible. And then check in with the girls every episode, every other episode, every three episodes. Like, we don't need to be seeing these people every week. Almost none of them worn in every week episode. I mean, Macy might this season, unfortunately. <laughs> She's probably going to get a lot of airtime. But especially if it's true that Amber is gone. I wonder what's going on with that. I'm 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 curious to see. I like don't believe that Amber quit or was fired, whatever. I think that she'll be back. I think that Amber quits probably all of the time. <laughs> I would bet Amber's quit an upward of 11 different times and then they send Kiki and Larry over there and they're like, "Hey girly, remember how we pay you $30,000 an episode, which is probably more money than you would make in an entire year if you were to get a job right now because you don't have almost any work history whatsoever and you have a felony a felony on your record and it's going to be really difficult for you to get any sort of job so if you do get a job it's probably going to be close to minimum wage which I don't know what it is in Indiana but it's get ready for this I hope you're sitting down if you don't live in America and or you live in a state like California or Washington because the minimum wage in Pennsylvania is $7.25, which is crazy. I'm pretty sure that's the federal like minimum uh, 
wage. Like it can't be lower based on federal standards. And Pennsylvania has had a Democratic governor for the last many, many years. And yet we still have not been able to get an increase in minimum wage. 725 is so crazy. Like it's so little money. I was making, when I got a job in high school at a bakery, my first job at Crust and Crump Bakery in Beach Haven, New Jersey. Shout out Elephant Ears. If you've ever been to Beach Haven, you've probably had something from Crust and Crump. And I believe I was making $5.50, which I think was New Jersey's minimum wage at the time. So that was in 2004, <laughs> 2003, I think, 2003 or 2004. And it is now 2023, literally 20 full years later, and Pennsylvania still has a minimum wage of only $2 more than that. It's so fucked up. <laughs> it's so fucked up. But, oh, we were talking about Amber. And so I think Larry and Kiki and maybe Morgan J. Freeman, like, sit down and they're like, babe, we just want to remind you that we pay you upwards of $500,000 a year to be here. And the only way that you can keep making money like that is if you do this show. And then, you know, she's like, fuck, fine, fine. I'll do the fucking show. Cause it's like a golden handcuff situation. I personally think Amber should leave the show. I, I don't know. I go back and forth on this because I think that Amber's mental health is so precarious. And I think that she is the absolute worst person emotionally to be on reality television. Like, I, she cannot handle it. It is so bad for her. It Every season when the episodes are airing, she goes off. She is clearly an extremely depressed person. She has a lot of issues that she's not taking care of. And I deeply worry about, like, the impact of being on reality TV to work towards her. But then I think about it and I think about whatever Indiana's minimum wage is and think about the fact that she has almost no education, almost no work experience. I wonder what she just stopped mentioning college. I noticed, (laughs) I guess that Purdue university online school thing is not happening anymore, which is not surprising. It was a really stupid way for her to start college. She should have started by going to community college and taking an English class and a math class, like whatever their remedial classes are. Most community colleges have like very basic remedial classes that if you uh, liked it decently in high school, you probably test out of. But they're super important for people that didn't do great in high school and that are attempting to go to college because they provide fundamentals. And it's really fucking hard to go to college if you don't know how to write. And I like I don't mean that Amber is illiterate, although I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to find out that she has a lowish reading comprehension, just like based on what we know about her life. Um, A lot of people have low reading comprehensions because of struggles in their life and their childhood, right? And the school system failing them and poverty, like forcing them into shitty situations and their families failing them and a million different reasons. There are a lot of adults that are functionally illiterate. There is this guy on TikTok. It would take me too long to find his name. He is a guy in his late 20s or early 30s, he's pretty handsome, which helps this whole thing, who is teaching himself to read because he is functionally illiterate and has gone essentially his whole life without being able to read. And it's not that like he can't read at all. Like he has like very, 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 very basic reading comprehension, I think. But he essentially can't 
read. And he talks about how he managed to get by. There was one really interesting video where he was talking about um menus and that he would always like get into relationships and so anytime he went out to eat, he would like have his girlfriend read the menu basically. And he like managed all of these like tricks to get through in life and now he's reading books and it's really lovely to see. Um but I yeah, I just I wouldn't be surprised if Amber has a low reading comprehension and guess what? Like college is really hard especially for like a social like a humanities major because I think she wanted to uh, major in philosophy, not philosophy, although I know she likes philosophers, <laughs> but she was psychology. She wanted to major in psychology. And if you don't know how to write, it's really, really hard to do a psychology major. And if you don't even know how to write a basic, basic, basic paper, you need to take some remedial classes. And that's like an amazing thing about community colleges is that you can take these remedial classes without taking on the burden of being like a full-time college student and you can take them at your own pace and you can go slowly. And I think Amber would really benefit from taking one class. I mean, Amber has not been in school since she was like 15. <laughs> like it, it's not even that she hasn't been in school in a long time. I mean, it's hard enough to go back to school like grad school as an adult if you haven't been to school since college, right? Because you're out of the routine of doing school. Amber has not been in school since the 10th or 11th grade. She got her GED in prison, which is like a pretty unique setting. And the idea that she could just like become a full-time college student, I think was so, it was so misguided. I remember talking about this when Leah decided that she was going to become a full-time online college student. And I was like, this is like you're setting yourself up for failure. College is really hard. I mean, not for everybody, but for a lot of people, like having to do, especially if you might have a low reading comprehension, you don't have the writing skills, you don't have the math skills, and you have to read books and write papers and go to classes. And I wish that Amber had people in her life who could be like, hey, why don't you just try at the community college a couple classes first? And then if you do well, you can always add more of an next semester. That's the thing. You can go at your own pace. And so, yeah, I don't know what Amber would do off the show. And I think she would quickly fall into poverty because I don't think that girl has one cent in saving. Um, I'm not sure where Amber's money goes because that like the house she has that Andrew was living in is nice. Right. But it was like. A three hundred thousand ish dollar house. She didn't buy it in cash. I'm pretty sure. So, she, by the way, that how now with the way the market is everywhere, like the idea that you buy the house for three hundred thousand dollars is <laughs> pretty incredible. But besides that house, she doesn't really have any other assets. She doesn't wear designer stuff, as far as I can tell. She doesn't shop a ton, as far as we can tell. But I'm assuming she does things like every single meal is door dashed. You know, like I would be unsurprised to find out she door dashes multiple times a day, every single day. I bought, I bet she buys crap on Amazon and that shit just adds up. Um, so I, yeah, I don't think she has any money and I worry about her not being on the show because I don't know how she'll support herself. So where was I? Oh, Team Mom Next Chapter, Team Mom Young and Pregnant is canceled. R.I.P. Bring Kaya and Kayla next chapter. We've got nothing to lose. 
The Beavers, I don't think, should come on next chapter. I don't think uh, Rachel would do well on next chapter. I don't think that's for her. I think it would be a good idea to give her her own show. If, like, if MTV wants to keep Rachel Beaver around, she needs her own show. I don't think it will go very well if they try and throw her in the mix of next chapter, especially if they're doing this, like, we're all best friends that love each other, except for you, Ashley. <laughs> I just don't think it will go very well. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the young and pregnant girls. It's pretty shocking they got three seasons, honestly. So good for them. They've all got Instagram followers. They can all start. I mean, most of them are already doing it, but they can really start hustling on the influencing train. Yeah. If they be on TikTok, I don't really know what I'm going to do. TikTok is my lifeblood, essentially, at this point in time. I mean, I guess I'll watch Instagram Reels, which is just old TikToks. But, like, I my TikTok account is, like, completely anonymous, which I love because I can – I don't make TikToks, but I can, like, leave comments and nobody knows it's me. And I'm going to have to get, like, a burner Instagram account just for looking at TikTok Reels. Congress is so stupid. And, yes, I know data mining is, like, a serious concern, but I do not believe that this is the solution to data mining. Is it data or data? I feel like I say data, but if I'm talking with mining at the end, I feel like it should say data mining. I don't know. Facebook is doing it. Like, they're selling your information to anybody. The idea that TikTok is the ultimate boogeyman is just so, it's so stupid. Okay. With all that said, let's talk about the news that came out about Ryan. Um, this is like a major, 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 major trigger warning. Um, there, obviously, we're going to be talking about domestic violence, but it's really scary. I think is the only reasonable way to explain, like to say this. It's scary. <sighs> the Ashley got her hands. I was going to say their hands. I don't know which one is correct, her or theirs, on the police report that Mackenzie had filed about uh, Ryan destroying the house. And, like, we knew that he did that, but we didn't have, like, details. Um, I've ha- I saw some people s- ask if they owned the house. I thought they didn't. But then someone in my comment section says they own it, but it's only in her name, which I hope is true. Although usually like if you buy a house after you're married in most states, it doesn't really matter whose name is on the title. Like you're both, it's community property. I don't know what the laws in Tennessee are like. I I was going to say if they have a prenup, but I, I don't think they had a prenup. I don't think they signed a prenup before that parking lot wedding personally. <laughs> that was so bad. Oh my God. But apparently Mackenzie owns this house I'm not really too sure about that. I'll have to look into it. But here is what the police report says. (sighs) Okay. According to the police report, Ryan and Mackenzie's uh, officers who arrived at Ryan and Mackenzie's home on February 10th were met with an incredibly disturbing scene. Uh, The reporting officer said the home had been completely destroyed with spray painted walls, ruined appliances, nearly everything in the house trashed except for Ryan's possessions. 
Uh, Deputy Hazener reported that upon arriving at the Edwards home, she immediately noticed that several bedroom windows had been shattered and that personal items had been thrown all over the front yard of the home. Inside, the damage was done. The damage shown was even more shocking, with Ryan allegedly using spray paint, markers, and paint to destroy the home's fixtures, walls, and possessions. The refrigerator was tipped over and leaned against the counter, and the doors were open and had been written on in permanent marker. I observed a loaded AK-47-style rifle on the kitchen counter, Deputy Hazen wrote in the report. The microwave had been spray-painted blue, which I know this is not funny, but Caroline Calloway's microwave was blue also, if you'll remember. The dining room table was flipped over and had been spray-painted with profanities, as had the patio window and other walls in the house. There was also writing and black marker on the walls. Okay. Not to get into the Johnny Depp and Amber heard of it all, right? I mean, if you are a Feathers of My Hair listener, you probably know where I stand. If you're a List Explains listener, you really know where I stand. Um, but this is very similar to how Johnny was in the house in Australia when his finger was cut off. He had written all over the walls um, about Amber being like a slut. This is why I say product like property destruction is domestic violence. You guys know I'm always preaching it and it's because it's true. Like how this could not be considered domestic violence by anybody. Um, the gun is a threat. To leave a loaded gun, especially when you're Ryan and you love your guns, to not take it with you, it's a direct threat. Okay, so the officer goes on to say, I observed white paint, white paint smudges across the floor, as well as a knife stuck into the wall holding a note. I can only imagine what that note said. I observed several other holes in the drywall and several pointed metal objects also stuck into the drywall. I observed the couch had been placed upside down against the front door. Ryan, who had been previously posting accusations that Mackenzie cheated on him to social media, allegedly wrote about Mac cheating all over the walls of the house. Most of the graffiti on the walls were read were allegations of infidelity against Ms. Es- Ms. Ms. Edwards, officer wrote. There was also glass all over the floor. Several windows had been broken. Deputies observed a wedding photo hanging in the hallway had also been written on. The doors of the cabinets had been removed and were laying on the couch, and one of the doorknobs to a closet was broken off. Things got downright disgusting in the master bedroom. According to the officer's report, deputies also observed in the master bedroom had an odor consistent with fecal matter, but nothing was located. Um, Marker had been used to write on the walls near the bed and broken glass was scattered all over the floor. Uh, The bedroom also appeared to have been ransacked. The master bathroom had been damaged and items strewn about. In addition, it was reported that the power had been turned off or cut because none of the lights in the house were working. The only part of the home that appeared untouched, according to police report, were the bedrooms belonging to Jagger and Stella, the, ki- the two kids Ryan and Mackenzie share in the garage, where Ryan kept his tools and other possessions. Well, that is horrifying. That is beyond horrifying. I did see some people ask, like, does Hudson not have a room there? Mackenzie's older son, Hudson. I kind of think that's maybe just bad reporting. I would bet i mean their house is not huge i wouldn't be surprised if it was a three-bedroom house and i would bet uh jagger and hudson share the room saw some people say well maybe he lives at his dad's but as far as like legal custody goes mackenzie is primary custody um hudson's dad a few years ago did try and get 
like full 50 50 custody because he had i think like only visitation and he didn't get full 50 50 mackenzie had primary custody i mean it is possible that hudson is not living at that house especially if things have been escalating um i mean it it wouldn't be shocking to me if he was living at his father's or mackenzie's parents house if things were getting bad i just kind of bet it said like the kids bedrooms and ashley wrote wrote it like jagger and stella i I just wouldn't be surprised to find out that that's just like not perfect reporting i mean i look guys I know that Ashley is our paper of record. I know she's a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. She's a no, Nobel pre Nobel Nobel pre, pre I cannot speak Nobel Peace Prize winner for journalism. I do know all of that, but it is possible that she did an inaccurate reporting there. I know, I know, it's crazy, <laughs> but that is it's just it's so scary. It's why I preach on here all of the time. If your significant other is breaking stuff, you need to be considering that as abuse. I'm not saying that you need to leave. Although, like, realistically, if there's abuse in your relationship, it is unlikely that it's going to de-escalate. But, it, I mean, it is possible, right? Like, if the person that is being abusive wants to change and is working really hard to change, it can change. It often doesn't. But it is possible. Um, but like if you have a significant other that is punching walls, breaking phones, writing shit on walls, please just please consider it to be dangerous, right? Because it is not just going to stay with one punch in the wall. It's not just going to stay with a phone breaking. It's going to escalate and it's going to escalate to what Ryan and Mackenzie's is like. It might not be that drastic, but a lot of people have said, like, this sounds like meth behavior. I don't think so. I I really don't think so. I don't think Ryan does meth. I know it's, like, easy to be like, he must do meth, but Ryan was arrested with heroin. Ryan has been a opioid addict for the last however many years it I'm not saying that you can't do both or you can't be addicted to both plenty of people do I personally know some people who move from opioids to meth um and honestly their life was like kind of more manageable than meth, which is like crazy to say but true like it definitely happens but because like around the time of this he was arrested with just dope makes me think that he's not doing meth I think he's just an abuser and I would bet he drinks. Um, This all to me seems very alcoholic. I think that we have forgotten how out of control people can act on alcohol. I mean, once again, not to bring up Johnny Depp, but like if you rewatch that trial or read the transcripts or whatever, like he Johnny wasn't doing meth. Yeah, he did coke. He did a lot of coke, but like the most violent actions happened when he was, like, fucked up on booze and pills. That's when he got the most out of control. And I think that we forget, like, how how awful alcohol can be to an alcoholic and how scary an abuser can be when they are fully intoxicated on alcohol. And then if they're using opioids, too, that's that 
that I could easily see that as inspiring him to destroy the home that his wife and children live in. Like, I don't think there needs to be meth for that. And honestly, I don't think there needs to be any intoxication for that. This is just an abuser. Like, I'm not sure, like, actually, I do know. I think the idea of somebody being able to do that sober is very scary, especially somebody that we have been following for over 10 years at this point who we know is an asshole, we know sucks, but, like, we don't look at him as, like, an absolute monster or we didn't look at him as an absolute monster. And I think it's very hard for us to wrap our head around somebody that we know in quotation marks, being able to behave that badly. But plenty of abusers abuse while they're sober, right? And I think that we're like, well, that's so out of control. There's no way that he did that sober. But that's like applying too much ration to the situation and abuse is inherently like irrational. And I wouldn't be shocked if he, Mackenzie had already left. She was not coming back to that house while he was there. She had blocked him on everything. He couldn't get to her house because she was staying with her parents. Her dad was the one that called the police one of the times. Um, And I would imagine that her parents were not letting him get anywhere near that house. I'm sure her daddy has a shotgun, you know, that he keeps on the front porch. Like, And it would not be surprising to me that sober or not intoxicated. Sober isn't a weird word to use in that situation. But like a not intoxicated Ryan was enraged that he had no access to Mackenzie. But what he did have access to was her stuff and their shared home. So he's posting on social media, right? He's posting this shit on social media because that's one way he knows she'll see it even if he has, even if she hasn't blocked on everything. Like, he knows that people are going to send her those screenshots and he can destroy her house. I mean, their house technically, but her house and their stuff. Like, that, a very, very sober abuser can do that because what is more terrifying than that? That's really scary. That really incites a lot of fear. And that's what an abuser is trying to do, right? Like, they're not they're not being like, I'm going to knock this stuff over because I'm mad at her. And they're not thinking like, well, this hurts me too if I destroy all this stuff. They just want to incite fear. And that's why they leave a loaded AK-47 style gun on the fucking table. And they shove knives into the walls. To hold up notes that can, God only knows what it said. Um, It's just really sad and scary and makes me really terrified for Mackenzie. And I know I was saying like, look, I don't know how I feel about sending people to jail in general. And maybe Mackenzie didn't want him to go to jail. But it's crazy that he didn't go to jail. It's crazy. Also, like... (sighs) How the fuck does he have guns? I hate guns so much. Like, (laughs) I just, I don't understand how anybody can advocate for people to be allowed to have guns like that. So, because when you advocate for people to be allowed to have guns like that, Ryan Edwards gets his hands on guns like that. And if banning all of those fucking assault rifles or... AK-47 style or whatever, you know, like the gun heads are always like, "Uh, uh, excuse me, 
But that's not an AK. That's not what an assault rifle is. Do you even know what an assault rifle is? It's like, no, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck what the definition is. But that gun, that AK-47 style gun, should not be able to get into Ryan Edwards' hands. It shouldn't get in. Nobody, nobody needs that gun. Nobody. Nobody needs that gun. And the idea that, like, Ryan Edwards, who has multiple arrests, right? He had a fucking restraining order on him before for threatening to kill his ex-wife or his ex-girlfriend. How the fuck is he able to get his hands on that? And, like, why do we live in a country in which he can get his hands on that? Thank God he didn't family annihilate them all. You know, like, thank God this was not Chris Watts. Is that his name? Chris Watts. Right? That's his name. Who killed his wife and daughters. His pregnant wife and daughters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, or Alex Murdoch. Who, how do you say that man's last name? <laughs> also, I know he pronounces it Alec. I, for, I always forget about that because it's not spelled Alec. But, like, thank God that he didn't murder Mackenzie and those kids. Because he had the means to very easily. And it's just, it's very scary and upsetting. And I really hope Mackenzie's okay. And the idea that anybody can sit there and say that Mackenzie deserves this makes me feel physically ill. Like, it it truly makes me feel sick to my stomach. That anybody could read that description and be like, well, <laughs> she knew what she was getting into. She knew what she was doing. I don't give a fuck if Mackenzie sucks. I don't give a fuck because Mackenzie does suck. But just because you suck doesn't mean that you deserve this type of treatment. Oh, God. And Macy filmed with him after this. Now, do I think that Macy knew the extent of this damage? Like, probably not. I, Unless she, like, got her hands on the police report. I'm not really sure how she would know. But also, like, Macy should be coming out and making a statement saying that she, yeah, she had been filming with Ryan. She was hoping that Ryan was getting back on track. She was trying to do what's best for Bentley, but she is horrified by this. She supports Mackenzie and Mackenzie's children, and she looks forward to making sure that Bentley is still able to have a relationship with his little siblings that he loves. Like, why I, Macy needs to become and say some shit. Like, she needs to be condemning condemning this publicly. And it's not that I think that Macy, like, approves of this. I, I do not. I don't think Macy likes Mackenzie, but I don't think Macy is a bad person at her core. I really, I don't. Do I think Macy is boring? Yeah. Would I want to be friends with Macy? No. Is it possible Taylor and Macy would have been a Jan 6? Like, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. It wouldn't have totally shocked me. Although she was pretty good on that when they were talking about race and stuff on Team Mom Next Chapter. Like, I was, like, pretty surprised, actually, by how aware she seemed to be. Um, So maybe I don't think Mackenzie – or maybe maybe I don't think Macy would be a Jan 6. Would Mackenzie and Ryan have been a January 6? Like, yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But I don't think Macy at her core is a bad person. I don't think Macy would feel good about Mackenzie being treated this way. I don't think Macy wants to see anybody treated this way. I And I, I don't think Macy hates Mackenzie. I really don't. I think she doesn't like Mackenzie, which is 
totally reasonable. I mean, Mackenzie sat on that stage and read that fucking letter. Remember when Amber called her a cunt? <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> but, I mean, if I was Macy, I would not like Mackenzie. But do I think that, like, Macy hates Mackenzie? No, I, I, I really don't think so. I think that sh- if anybody understands the terror that is Ryan Edwards, it's Macy and... She has to know that the the behavior has been escalating, and I would imagine she is supportive of Mackenzie. I, w- I mean, I hope. Like, maybe I'm giving her too much of a benefit of the doubt, you know? Like, it's very possible that I am, but I, I just, I don't think Macy will continue filming with Ryan, even if it's just for her own image sake. But I... I don't understand why she hasn't put out some sort of statement on her Instagram. It, I mean, at least that I've seen. I guess it's possible she did, but I don't think I've seen anything. And it doesn't need to be, you know, real detailed. She doesn't need to go into everything that he did. But I think she should be publicly showing support for the mother of her son's siblings. You know, like, regardless of anything that happened, like, that woman is the mother of two children well, three, really, because Bentley has known Huddles for many years at this point. And I don't, I just, ugh, I really hope, I'm really hopeful that Macy comes out swinging on the show and that this is given the proper levity it deserves. Um, I'm definitely curious to see about Jen and Larry because they bailed him out after this arrest. And that's where I I give Jen and Larry so, so much grace. <laughs> Probably more than almost anybody on planet Earth, right? Like, I am sure no other team on podcasters are like, guys, it's really sad about Jen. Jen cries and we should feel bad for her. Like, I know I've given Jen and Larry an incredible amount of grace. But when your son is threatening to murder the mother of your grandchildren, don't let him come stay at your fucking house. Don't let him come stay at your house. Don't bail him out of jail. Even if you're using his funds to do it, don't bail him out of jail and do not let him come to your house. Can you go see him? Sure. But like, God, it's just it's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. Oh, God. It's upsetting. All right. Um, on that note, let's talk about another abuser who won this week, and that's Janelle Evans, who officially announced custody is back with Jace. And it- <laughs> look, I keep telling you guys that these girlies have fans, including Janelle. <laughs> that TikTok she posted. Oh, my God. It got millions of views. When I looked, it had like 500,000 likes. People were over the moon happy for Janelle. Now, I'm sure she's deleting a bunch of negative comments, but people don't follow these freaks like we do. And I just, I want to keep reminding people, like when you see Janelle on TikTok or Kale on TikTok, Kale's a little less egregious in my opinion, especially if you have not been keeping close tabs on her. Janelle was never great, right? Like, Kale was very rootable 
in her early years, at least. Like, even if you didn't like her, like, it took Kale a while to get to kind of, like, the irredeemable place. Uh, I don't think Kale's irredeemable. It took Kale a while to get to, like, the really bad place that most people who, like, continuously watch a show and follow the online stuff view her as. But Janelle was, like, never likable. And yet, and yet, people are happy because they see on TikTok this girl that was awful on television, but also who is treated terribly on television, right? By her mom, her boyfriends, et cetera, et cetera. They stopped watching this show in 2012, let's say. They watched the first three to four seasons. They have not kept up with shit at all. They don't know about Nugget, R.I.P., They don't know her kids were taken from her shortly after that. They don't know that she filed that restraining order against David in which she she detailed him terrifying Kaiser. They did not see that scene of David, like, yanking Kaiser by the arm. And they just don't know the things that we know. So what they see is Janelle, who is married. And you know that we value marriage, right? Like... Look at the way that we talk about Chelsea. (laughs) She got married and everyone was like, story's over. (laughs) She found her Prince Charming. She got her happily ever after. This bitch was like 27 and we're like, okay, great. (laughs) She did it. (laughs) Game over. Like, (laughs) I mean, Chelsea's so young. Chelsea's like 31 and we're like, well, she figured out her life. She's happy. She'll be happy forever. Nothing could ever change. We value marriage a lot as a society, especially for mothers. And so they see her married and they're like, great, amazing. Love that for her. Because a lot of these people, the last guy that they saw her with was Kiefer. So they see David and they're like, oh, he's good. They do not follow David on social media, so they don't know what he's posting. And even if they do, a lot of these people agree with them, guys. There are many, 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 many people on TikTok and around the world. And speaking of Tennessee, look at what the fucking Congress is doing in Tennessee. If you don't know, they are banning public drag shows. I think they officially did it in Tennessee. I mean, the amount of anti-LGBTQ legislation that is coming up, the amount of specifically anti-trans legislation that is coming up, I mean... I don't know if you guys saw in South Dakota the bill that I can't I can't talk about it. I'm going to start crying. I'm in a mood already. I can tell I'm going to start crying if I talk about this too much. It's just too awful. But they are many states are banning gender affirming care for children because of some boogeyman, right? Some bullshit anti-trans boogeyman. Um, And it's going to go to adults. They're not going to stop at kids. Why would they do that? Why would they stop at kids? People agree with David and Janelle. I mean, they probably don't agree with him murdering their dog, but they don't know about that. They don't agree with him being abusive, but they don't know about that. They don't know about the 21 or whatever 911 calls that Janelle made. You know, they, they don't know about that stuff. So they see a Janelle that is happy on social media because it's easy to pretend you're happy on social media. She has all of her kids now. 
she's always showing those kids off on social media. She lives on like this huge, cool piece of property, which we know is a sinking swamp, but they don't know that. They see her boating and spear fishing and riding around on her four wheelers and the kids are running around having fun and Ensley's really cute and that's what they see and so they're like oh my god happy ending that is amazing we love this Janelle we're so happy for you and then like the people who follow the show get so enraged because they're like how can anybody support Janelle and it's like because they're not actually supporting Janelle (laughs) most of them most of them have no fucking clue what Janelle's been going through for the last 10 plus years. They have no clue. And so they're happy for her that she got Jace back. I always think it's funny when we talk about like her getting Jace back because like that bitch never had Jace. (laughs) Like, Yeah, it took maybe six or seven months for her to lose custody. But like literally the day after he's born, Barbara's like begging her to take care of him. Like she never had Jace was never in Janelle's care ever. Not from the moment he was born. So the idea that she gets him back is interesting word choice. But I'm not surprised that people are celebrating it and that her videos about it are going super viral. And like I watched it and I was like, oh, <laughs> like because that's what social media does, right? Like it's not real. It makes us think things and feel things. It's easily manipulated. Now I sound like someone in Congress being like, we need to be on TikTok. <laughs> I really, I don't feel that way. We don't need to be on TikTok and we don't need to be on social media because it's easy to manipulate people on it. But that's just the truth, right? Like, it's easy to manipulate people on TikTok. And I watched that video and if I didn't know anything about Janelle except for seasons one, two, and three, I too would be like, oh my God, good for you, girly. You're amazing. So, you know, prayers up for Jace. (laughs) Always. Jace should always be in our prayers. If you are a prayer warrior, please add Jace to your prayer list. I mean, add all those children to your prayer list, but I, I'm i definitely curious to see how long it's going to last him living there full time. Um, I'm kind of guessing it's not going to last that long. And as I said in the last episode where I talked about this, Jace is probably going to spend the rest of his teen years just going back and forth between the homes until he... I don't know. I don't want to predict something bad because he's a child and I don't think that's fair, but I don't have the highest hopes for a great outcome for Jace, unfortunately. Okay, shall we talk about Teen Mom? Because I liked it. I had a lot of fun. It is a full 50 minutes into this episode. (laughs) Like, should we talk about our topic? You know, when you're listening to a podcast and they're like vibing and like the guest is so good and you're laugh, 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 laughing and suddenly they're like, all right, let's get into our segments. And you're like, can we not? Like, why do we need segments? I'm laughing. Let's skip the segments today. It's kind of what I feel like with this teen mom thing, this transition. But okay, for those that don't know, teen mom, is it really annoying if I call it teen mom? (laughs) That's what it's called. I do not do accents. I will say thank you very much to everybody who said my Farrah impression was very good. You guys know I'm someone who does not do impressions. I don't consider myself an impressionist, but I agree. I think I do a good Farrah. Um, I don't think the reason is good that I do a good Farrah. I think it's because um, 
my natural wine voice is wine w-h-i-n-e um is very easy for me to pull up and it sounds similar to Ferris. unfortunately um i don't use that tone of voice i really don't i I've gotten so much better about whining. I have spent my whole life as a complainer. As a child, I was, they would call it whining. Like, I definitely still do it. I mean, that's kind of like what this podcast is in some ways. Um, I've repackaged the wine, if you will. But that, I think, is why I do a good fair impression. It's not something to be proud of, you know? The fact that I can't do impressions and yet I can, like, kind of perfectly mimic Farah is not great. Um, But I will not be trying to do British accents through this. That would be borderline offensive, I think. (laughs) Though I will say, (laughs) I love, I love like British English. I, when I watched Skins, (laughs) I remember watching Skins. I watched Skins on a desktop computer and my, we had just moved out of our house after my parents' divorce. I was like, living with my mom because I dropped out of college. I was 19 maybe. And I watched Skins on the family desktop. I had to wear headphones because the sound, not because like my mom was never really around at that point, um, but the sound was so bad on it. Like I had to wear headphones to hear and it had subtitles, even though like it didn't need subtitles. And I was like streaming it on like a Watchmoji site. But I remember like I had to, like, stop myself from talking about, like, taking the piss. And when I was, like, backpacking in Guatemala and we were hanging out with all of these British people, like, I have to stop myself from using British slang. It, it's not, it's not a great trait of mine, but I am loving them talking about, like, having a proper row. (laughs) Also, they, like, put translations on the screen, which is really funny. Um... (laughs) Like, Rao is one of them, R-O-W, which I will be honest, I, in books, always thought it was Row. And when I heard it say out loud as Rao, I was really surprised. Did you guys as children, like tweens, read Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging? Because I loved Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging. I know it got a movie eventually, but I think by the time it got a movie, I was already past the age of you know, like reading them. Um, I don't know if I ever saw, I, I think maybe I saw the movie. I can't, honestly, I can't totally remember, but it was definitely like, I had been reading the books way before the movie came out. So by the, I was too old by the time it came out. Um, but I fucking loved that shit. And that's probably one of the first times I read the word row, I would guess, because like, I'm trying to think of, like, British stuff that I read before that, and I can really only think of Harry Potter, speaking of turfs, and they take out all of the British English for the American versions, you know? Um, so I'm not sure. I'm just not sure if I read that, or I've read that anywhere else. But Angus Songs and Full Frontal Snogging was, like, this young adult series. It was so, like, laugh out loud funny to me. I loved that shit. Um... And now I read a lot of, (laughs) read a lot of historical fiction. I really like historical fiction that are cozy mysteries that are set among the English aristocracy. (laughs) Time period, mm, about 1830 to like 19, I mean, I guess like 1950, 
really post-World War II is like a little meh for me because then, you know, the, the aristocracy becomes more normal. People, they stop doing, you know, they stop having personal maids. And I'm like, well, what are we doing here? <laughs> I want to read about the debutantes coming out at the palace. <laughs> like, if we're not doing that, what are we doing here? So I do like English things and I'm not like an Anglophile though. But Teen Mum features four girls that are around, I don't think they said the age of every one, or if they did, they only said it like once or twice, but they seem to be between the ages of like 17 and 19. Um, Some of them seem to like live on their own, like Naomi seems to have her own apartment. Um, Some of them live with their parents. I will say, I think that this show suffers a little bit by not having the 16 and pregnant, like, pre-episodes, essentially, or doing the Team Mom Young and Pregnant format, which is following them through last... Like, remember in season one of Team Mom Young and Pregnant, they all start out pregnant, and then they have the baby, like, throughout the first season. I think Jade had hers, like, kind of early in the season, but I think Brie didn't have the baby until, like, pretty late in the season. Remember her pregnant, like, running after Danae in the car? Dan? I I believe they are now... He's now going by Dan. I haven't checked in on him in a long time. Um, But when she ran after her boyfriend, that was... (laughs) Oh, God, that was so wild. That little girl was nine months pregnant and took the fuck off. (laughs) But I do think, like, missing the pregnancy dynamics takes away from the show Because part of what makes these 16 and pregnant, young and pregnant shows work so well for me is watching their baby daddies just like treat them like garbage the entire pregnancy. Because then when they're treating them like garbage early in the child's life, it's like, yeah, of course, like we know him. We know that's how he is. But just like popping in on people who had already had the babies and some of them, these, these babies are like 10 months old. We've missed a lot. We've missed a lot of dynamics. But the couples are Naomi and Raphael, I believe is his name. And they have a baby, Kiana. Naomi is in college, which I think means not university, but the college the kids and skins were in. <laughs> skins were in college. <laughs> If you never watch Skins, you should just watch it. You you really should. It's it's so wild. I still will turn it on occasionally. Truly, like, never forget the, <laughs> the finale of season four in which they just, like, randomly decided to brutally murder a character, <laughs> like, for no reason. That would, like, I'll never forget the audience reaction to that. Everyone just being like, What? so bad and not just like kill off a character brutally murder this character <laughs> so bad because in in well there are generations in skin season one and two is one gen three and four is another gen and then i think five and six has an i don't think i watched five and six i think there are three generations total but in gen one there's some death there's death but it's like sad normal tv death and then they said, let's kick it up a notch, baby. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, my God. I love that show. Okay. Um, 
So as I said, Naomi is in college to become a makeup artist. I think she's very pretty. She seems to be the most adult out of all of them. As I said, she they call it her apartment. They say Naomi's apartment. We have not met, at least in the first two episodes, any of her family. So I think she lives on her own. Oh, full disclosure. I don't know shit about these moms. Okay? I don't know anything about their baby daddies. I went into this completely blind. I have read stuff, obviously, just like by being a person on the internet that follows teen mom stuff. I've like, I know some of them have like went on to have more kids or have broken up with their significant other. Like, I know that's a thing. But because I didn't know them, I like didn't really commit this information to my brain. And I'm not saying like don't spoil me, but don't be mad at me for these takes. I mean, <laughs> I kind of feel like I'm probably not going to say anything that's, like, super crazy. But if one of these mums that I'm like, I think she seems pretty nice, is actually a monster, like, please keep in mind I don't know anything about them except for what was presented in these two episodes. Okay. So then there's Megan and Dylan who have baby Mackenzie who is a boy. Because I was a little confused by that because in the United States of America, Mackenzie is a girl's name. There's Mia and Manly, who have a daughter. Mia's actually pregnant in the first episode and gives birth at, like, the beginning of the second episode. Her daughter is named... Hold on. I It's in my notes somewhere. Her daughter is named, like, Marilee or something like that. Okay. I do want to say, something that I've been trying to unlearn in my life is racist and classist stereotypes I have regarding names because I heard that baby's name and I was like what the fuck and then I was like why am I saying what the fuck like yeah there are some names that are ugly and that's fine but I know I personally have a lot of biases in the way that I view names we most of us do right and I'm really trying hard to unlearn that and this was a good example of it because I was immediately like, why are they naming their baby that? And then it's like, no, I need I need to stop doing that. Names don't have values. Like naming your child something, unless you're naming your child something offensive, there's no value to it. Like it's not a value judgment and we shouldn't be judging people. There is no morality to naming. And just because someone names their kids something that you think is stupid or trashy doesn't mean it is stupid or trashy. We're basing that on bullshit class standards that why are we upholding class standards? Because as far as I know, I'm not a billionaire and probably most of you are not billionaires. So how do we benefit from upholding class standards? If you guys want me to do my TED talk on the bullshit that is old money, (laughs) I've definitely talked about that before. I am going to write a book one day on the phrase, uh, money talks, but wealth whispers. I fucking hate that shit. If you say that shit, stop saying it. All you're doing is upholding bullshit class standards established by people that have inherited wealth that don't want people to be able to make their own money and think that they have any value in this world. (laughs) Old money is the biggest crock of shit that has ever existed. There is absolutely nothing admirable about old money. There's nothing admirable about a wealthy person being modest. Also, they're not being modest. They're just speaking to each other in a language that you are not trained to understand. We say wealth whispers. No, it doesn't. 
Who's whispering at a school that costs $80,000 a year for your kid to go to first grade? I don't think that that's not a whisper. Who's whispering at the country club that doesn't let Jews or blacks or even Catholics into? Like who that it's not a whisper. You just think it's a whisper because that's what people are telling you it is. Oh God. I so as I said, I'm I'm trying to unlearn this. The show I mean, like, even just like right away, one of them is living in a camper and I'm like, ooh. And then I'm like, stop, stop doing that. It's really hard to unlearn, especially the class stuff, because I feel like I worked on like being anti-racist. Obviously, it's like constantly ongoing work that I need to be aware of. But I think in my early 20s and late teens, when I became like aware of like white privilege and being anti-racist. I think I like really got into that and took it on. And I was not very intersectional in this in that like I I did not unlearn any of my classism and I have serious classism views in a lot of ways. You guys know I grew up pretty upper middle class. My family belonged to a yacht club and a cricket club and there's a lot of bullshit upper middle class mentality in my brain that I'm like constantly trying to unpack because once again like me thinking that somebody is white trash doesn't do anything for me how does that benefit who does that benefit it benefits people that are significantly richer and have better have higher like class privilege than I do okay got totally off track so me and Manly and then Chloe and Jordan um, so I'm just gonna, go, I'm not gonna go through, like, what happens in these episodes. I did take notes, but I don't think I'm gonna recap. I think I'm just gonna, like, chat about each girl and my feelings on each girl. So Naomi, right off the bat, I'm like, oh, she seems cool. She seems pretty mature. But she gets messy real quick. So her baby dad is... This guy that she broke up with, like, when the baby was very young. I think she said, like, almost as soon as the baby was born, she broke up with him. And now she regrets it because he's seen somebody else. And he is trash. So he is sleeping with her and sleeping with his new girlfriend, Inez. The shit he says to her is so... He says it so low-key. He doesn't yell. He's not a yeller. She yells. At one point, she, like, throws her phone. I... It's off camera, but I think she smashes her phone. Um, she's, she yells. Not that much, but we see her yell. He doesn't seem to yell. He's just cruel. <laughs> he's just really mean because he actively has this girlfriend, but he's still sleeping with Naomi because Naomi wants to be with him and he knows it. And he'll say stuff like, well, you know, I like you a lot, Naomi. I do. I really like you. I just don't love you. <laughs> Like, he said that to her. That's so mean. (laughs) Like, why why would you ever need to say that to someone? I just don't love you. Like, in that way. It's fine to tell someone you don't love them if you don't love them. You know, like, I'm not saying that you should be lying to people. But the way in which he's like, yeah, I really like you. I just don't love you. While he's still actively sleeping with her is so fucked up. They get into some fight and he just, like, disappears for five days. And she's like... Uh, hello, you have a daughter. And he goes, so what? What's five days? What's five days for the rest of her life? (laughs) Oh, gosh. She decides to call uh, the new girlfriend and they meet up in like a mall food court. And she's like, I'm still fucking him. 
And then she's, like, mad that Inez is, like, mad at her about it. (laughs) She's like, I thought she'd be cooler. And I'm like, you're fucking her boyfriend, babe. But I think Naomi very much has that attitude that I think a lot of, especially, honestly, though, adults, too. When you have a baby with someone, I think, you know who's the perfect example of this is Kaylin. You have a baby with someone, so you always assume, like, they kind of belong to me. Like, the two of us are connected always. So, like, if I'm fucking him, even though he has a girlfriend, it doesn't count as, like, me breaking up a relationship. You know what I'm saying with that? The person in the relationship breaks up the relationship. But if you're knowingly sleeping with someone who has a partner, like, you are partaking in that. You are breaking the social contract, right? But I think someone like Kale or Naomi is like, well, he was mine first. So we have a baby together. We're a family. So I don't really care if he's with you. Like, he's mine. Even though he's not and she knows he's not and she knows he's in a relationship and she still is fucking him. She basically just regrets breaking up with him, which I don't think she does really. I don't think she really likes him that much. I think she just is upset that he is moving on, which, you know, happens to the best of us. Okay, so then there is Mia, who I find to be the most interesting. As I said, Mia is pregnant throughout this episode. She has a boyfriend named Manly, and Manly has a baby that is eight months old, eight months old with an ex-girlfriend. Let's do the math on that. (laughs) I guess he broke up with the girlfriend before the baby was born and then immediately got Mia pregnant, but the timeline... The timeline is a little confusing (laughs) because even if he broke up with this girl almost immediately, that means he and Mia were to get like almost immediately after she found out she was pregnant. That means he and Mia were together and she was getting pregnant like within six months of them being together or something. So, you know, I have some question marks for Mia, but her boyfriend has this baby and Mia is so nasty about it she hates this baby she hates the baby and I'm trying to figure out the money going on here because Mia is always riding around in an Audi or BMW she seems to have pretty nice clothes Uh, I don't think we meet her mom we meet her dad and I guess her parents are like I guess her dad is rich but she doesn't none of these none of these people have jobs As I said, Naomi is like in college, but I think she's the only one that works. None of the rest of the moms work. I don't know if Manly works. I feel like they didn't really talk about Manly going to work. Two of the other boyfriends work. They talk about them working. But there is, I have money question marks in Mia, but she fucking hates his ex-girlfriend, hates her, and hates her baby. Uh, She goes to get her nails done with Manly's sister and basically... Her his sister is like, you know, like your kids are going to be sisters. Like you're about to have that baby sister. Don't you think that you should be like trying to get along? And she's like, no, I fucking hate her. <laughs> I'll never want to be her friend ever. <laughs> All she does is talk about how insanely jealous she is. She's so jealous of this ex that Manly doesn't seem interested in as far as I can tell. Manly actually came across incredibly well in these two episodes. Once again, 
Uh, Manly could be a murderer at this point. I have no idea. But as far as like teen dads, which also uh, they were not clearly sharing the guy's ages on this, I don't think. Um, So Manly, it's possible he's not a teen. It's possible he's like 25. (laughs) Who really knows? But as far as like the dads on these shows, he seems very hands on. You know, he has this like infant child that he does visits with. He picks her up regularly. He seems to be a super active dad. Um, He doesn't seem to be fucking around with the ex, at least as far as these two episodes. But Mia is, she's just so jealous. It's really nasty. She hates this baby. I'm telling you. She keeps being like, it's not that I don't like the baby. (laughs) I'm like, oh, you hate that baby. I'm kind of wondering if like, Maybe Mia and Manly got together and then he found out about the pregnancy and some Tom Brady and Giselle shit. Remember, she, he, they got together and then like short, like almost immediately he found out that he had gotten uh, Bridget Moyhan. Is that her last name? I think it is. Bridget Moyhan pregnant. I, I'm pretty sure Giselle and Tom had started dating when she, when they found out about this. And so Giselle has been in baby Jack's life his entire life. The media sometimes made them made it seem like they didn't like each other. But by all accounts, Bridget, Tom and Giselle had a lovely co-parenting situation going on. And I wonder if it's like something like that, which like I could understand being upset about that. But like, that's a baby, babe. You're not allowed to hate babies. (laughs) You're allowed to dislike children as a general concept, right? You're allowed to be frustrated by certain babies. You're not allowed to hate babies. And if you're like, well, I hate this baby, don't tell me because I, I don't, I don't approve. I do not approve of anybody hating a baby. (laughs) Babies are innocents. (laughs) That is the whole point of them. They are innocents. Um, so when Mia is giving birth, she and Manly get into a fight because he wants her his daughter is Aaliyah, I believe is the first daughter is named Aaliyah. And he wants Aaliyah to be at the hospital the day the baby is born so that they can meet. And Mia is really upset about this. She's like, absolutely not. She's like, first of all, I didn't know babies could come to hospitals. And I was like, yeah, okay. Mia's in hospital, by the way. <laughs> I do love that. I've been in hospital for a day. <laughs> Um, She's like, I didn't know babies could come to hospitals. I just, here's the thing. If she was like, look, I am about to push a baby out. The idea of like another baby being here really stresses me out because then we would have to be like, you'd have to be taking care of the baby or your sister would be taking care of a baby. But I want like all of the attention and focus to be on us, which is like kind of where she eventually gets. But she's like, I don't want the baby here. I don't want this to be about her so bad it's so bad oh my god she's like I just I just want this to be about us and our family and Manly's like well that's my daughter they're gonna be sisters I mean they're gonna be sisters that are only nine months apart like those are Irish twins (laughs) like that they're they're the same age those two babies and I understand his desire to have the baby there I also think it's like totally 100% fair but she's like please don't bring the baby here. Like I'm giving birth. I, I don't want to be like thinking about us taking care of a baby while I'm trying to give birth. But 
the way that she's like, this is our family and I want you to be with our family is really tough. I can't really figure Mia out. Mia seems likable in some situations and really unlikable in other situations. Um, She really struggles once they get home. They're staying at Manly's mom's house. Manly's mom is passive aggressive a little bit. Like, she's trying to help, but she's definitely doing it in a way that is kind of putting down Mia. Like, being like poking at Mia like they're giving the baby a bath and she's like Mia you have to do it faster you have to do this rat like and Mia's overwhelmed she just wants to figure it out by herself and she's feeling really judged which I think is very fair it's not her mother like I mean you can feel judged by your own mother but I think it's especially hard when it's like a mother-in-law situation but Mia is I think severely depressed like has really severe postpartum depression I think that she thought Well, she says, like, she thought she would be, like, a whiz, like, a natural whiz at mothering. Like, I think she thought this baby would come out and she would be, like, the perfect mother right away. And that's not what happens. Um, She's totally sleeping through the night, which I found interesting. She will not wake up. She says she can't wake up to help with the baby. And, but I don't think she's also being the baby's primary caretaker during the day because, she like there so there's one night and she says to Manly like I promise you I'm going to get up and help with the feedings like and I was kind of like well why like you take care of a baby during the day Manly can take care of a baby at night like that's fair a lot of people do like shifts right that's how a lot of people handle having newborns they do shifts but the way that she's like I'm going to help you kind of makes me think that's not what's happening um and I kind of think she's not taking care of that baby, which worries me. Uh, there's this, like I said, she makes this big deal about how she's going to stay up all night or like wake up every time the baby cries and she doesn't wake up once and he gets up four times throughout the night, which I'm not saying I feel bad for him because he's a father. That's what you're supposed to be doing. But I think Mia's really struggling, but I don't think she sees it as her like struggling. I think she sees it as everybody's attacking her. Um, which is like a scary situation to be in at the end of the second episode. She's like, I ran away, which I think just meant she went to her dad's house. I was a little confused as to where she was, but she's like, they all think I'm a bad mother. So I left I'm like, oh, well, who's going to feed that baby at night? Like you just said, you can't get up at night to feed the baby. And I'm not like, if you are uncomfortable at someone's home and you have another place to go live by all means, you know, by all means go be there. But are you going to wake up with that baby? Because I'm really worried you're not going to wake up with that baby. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh, gosh, gosh. Okay. So then there is Chloe, whose boyfriend is Jordan. The baby's name is Marley. And, oh, I forgot the tagline for the show is, The accents may be different, but the drama is all the same. (laughs) So stupid. Uh, Chloe... Her big thing is that she gained three stone, which is 12 pounds. I've always wondered what a stone is. So I was actually, I was like, oh, so it's like four pounds. Okay. Interesting. Um, That might not be right. I might just be stupid. But she hasn't lost all the baby weight and she is really, really obsessed with it. And I think it's definitely just like a manifestation. Well, I mean, it's totally fine, right? Like, to want to be a certain you know what I'm saying 
hold on. I, I, I want to say this correctly. I think that it's not so much about her weight specifically. I think that her weight is a manifestation of the change that her life has taken. And she keeps talking about how before she got pregnant, she went out all of the time. She's 18. She doesn't see her friends anymore because all they do is go out. She can't go out. Uh, Her boyfriend works a lot. They live with her mom in what looks to be a nice house. But, you know, her mom is busy, I think. And so she's taking care of the baby 24-7. She feels really overwhelmed. She's really struggling with her identity as a mother and, like, losing her old identity. And so I think that it's really easy to focus on, like, the physical aspect of it, which is her weight. And she says things like all of, you know, I used to be really skinny. All of my friends are really skinny. And when she said like all of her friends are really skinny and then was talking about how like she couldn't go out with her friends. I'm like, oh, okay. This like this make not that like I'm saying to care about your weight. You need to have postpartum depression because we live in a eating disorder society, right? Like we all have fucked up thoughts about our weight and our body. But I think that, like, to me, it reads as her struggling, like, with a bunch of stuff and that this is, like, a really easy thing to focus on. Um, She does go to therapy, though, which is good. She goes to counseling. Uh, I can't really figure out her boyfriend, Jordan. At first, I was like, I think they like each other. You know, I was like, I think they do like each other. But in the second episode, they go on holiday to Spain. I guess her friend lives there. So they go and stay with her friend. And he's kind of an asshole. But then also she's kind of an asshole to him. Like they're on holiday together. And one night she's like, well, I'm going to have a girl's night with Beth Ann. And he's like, well, what am I supposed to do? And she's like, why are you being such a baby? (laughs) And I'm not saying she shouldn't be able to have a girl's night, you know, like she should be able to have a girl's night. But like you're on a romantic holiday with your boyfriend It doesn't make a ton of sense to me that you would do like a full girls night, like a full one. I would get like going to dinner, but they go to dinner and then they go out to the club and stay out all night. And I'm like, well, why didn't they invite him to come to the club? Like that, that to me seems like it'd be fair. And also like he doesn't have friends there. So he's just like sitting by himself. And she's like, you're being boring. Like stop being so boring. Figure it out. And I'm like. Well, is he being an like, is he an asshole? And that's why she's acting this way. Or is she being an asshole? I'm a little unsure of the dynamics between them, basically, is what I'm saying. Because like, if you're on a vacation with your boyfriend, and you're saying it, your friends, like, I totally get wanting to have individual time with them. And I think it'd be totally fair if you guys do like a whole day outing, right? Like, where, like I said, you go to dinner, the two of you. Um, or even like dinner in a club, but like your significant other that you came with, like has to be okay with it or have some, an alternative or something to do or be like, no, I'm totally fine. Like staying home and watching TV. It's okay. I want you guys to go out and have fun. Um, but like when you're on a short holiday and like you say to the person like, well, go fuck yourself basically. I don't know. He was like obsessively texting her then. And I was like, so does he suck or does she suck in this situation? Cause I'm having trouble judging. <laughs> Their life seems to be the most normal, right? Like, because they live with her mom, although she's, like, obsessed with moving out. And he's like, I'm 17. I can't get my own house. (laughs) She's like, we need our own house. And he's like, but I'm only 17. Um, 
they definitely seem to have the most like stable-ish type of life. I think that they bicker and they don't get along that great, but I don't think they have like explosive fights. Remember, I have not seen more and I don't follow them online. (laughs) The impression that I get is that they don't have like explosive fights. There doesn't seem to be cheating. They just seem to be like two pretty normal 17 year olds that happen to have this baby. Okay, and then there is the most interesting couple to me. Megan and Dylan, who, as I said, have baby boy Mackenzie. What the fuck is going on here? What the fuck is going on here? So we meet Megan and Dylan. They are living in a camper in his parents' driveway. It is a tiny, tiny camper. This is not an RV. This is like a pop-up tent. Like, this shit is small. Small, small, small. And he's working three jobs. She's home with the baby all day. And I'm like, oh, this is depressing. Like, she's, like, locked up in that little camper all day. I can't even imagine that. They must be really struggling. And then suddenly we're in her mom's Range Rover. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What's going on here? (laughs) Like, who? What? Why? If her mom has a Range Rover and her mom seems really supportive and into it, then why are you living in a camper that is 40 feet big? Because once again, it's not the camper. I cannot emphasize how small this is. They have like a little extended pop-up tent connected to it. It is so fucking tiny. It is so tiny. I. It seems like it has a bathroom, but I. there's no way it has running water. I, I don't think it has running water. It really... I don't know if you guys watched a lot of... um my big fat G wedding that G is a slur but it was based on the uh like the English version of that of Irish travelers and they all live that's like really really stereotypical part of the Irish traveler traveler culture is living like in caravans and not living in like permanent homes and that's the type of caravan they seem to live in and they're really little and I just I don't I was like oh my god they're really struggling wow but then like I said we're in her mom's Range Rover and I'm like well what's going on here and then we go to their house and they live in a beautiful home like what the fuck is going on here (laughs) why why are you living in a 40-foot camper 40 foot seems generous, honestly, because I'm thinking of a boat that is like 32 feet. And I think the camper might be smaller than that. Like I, the camper might be 25 feet long, honestly. Like, so why are you staying in that little shithole when you could be living at your parents' house? And I don't think her parents kicked her out because they seem super supportive of her. Like Megan and Dylan get engaged in the first episode and her mom is like over the moon She's like, oh, my God, I cannot wait. I'm going to buy your dress. This is going to be amazing. So it it doesn't seem like she was, like, kicked out or cut off. So I don't I don't get what's going on. I don't get why why she and her baby are living in such a cramped space when they seem to have options. Um, we find out in the first episode that Dylan has fucked her best friend. <laughs> Oops. She goes, my ex-best friend. Well, like, she was my best friend, but now she's my ex-best friend. I'm like, oh, girly. 
Oh, girly, girly. Uh, her stepdad is like enraged about this. He's like, I told you you guys shouldn't have had this baby. You are too young. And he's like, you need to be more upset about this. You seem like you don't even care that much. And he's treating you like shit. And I knew this would happen. And then we hear it. We hear it. We hear it, which is what we always hear on these shows. Well, I don't want Mackenzie to feel like I did. Waiting around for his dad and his dad never coming. And I know how awful that was. So I just want to be with Dylan so that Mackenzie can have both of his parents. And I'm like, especially it's especially crazy because she seems to have a stepdad that she is very much part of her life and acts as her father. And I'm not saying that means that she shouldn't care that her dad wasn't around. Please do not get me wrong. That is not what I'm saying. But it's not that she doesn't understand that it's possible for, like, a stepdad to come in and fill that role. I don't know. I, like, the way in which she was, like, barely upset about Dylan and then, like, decides to move back in is so wild. And this is her solution. She goes, we needed to make some changes. So I decided to scrap the car that they had sex in. And she just gets it towed away. I'm like, what? That is not going to fix anything. And then Megan is the one that is going to like woo him. She's spending all this time trying to make Dylan happy. She sets up these romantic date nights. Like, girl, what the fuck are you doing? Dylan even says at one point, shouldn't I be doing this for you? <laughs> uh, Yeah. They eventually move the camper to like a proper car park and... I guess there's like a bathroom facility because we do see her taking a shower in what looks like a like a a campground bathroom. And I'm like, she's like happy. She's like, we're finally moving to a proper campground. And I'm like, but doesn't it like make more sense for you to live on your in-laws property so you can go inside and use their bathrooms? Like, because if that was me, I think I'd rather be able to like go inside and I I don't know, maybe she doesn't get along with her in-laws. But you would think that, like, having access to their kitchen and their bathrooms and their washing machines seem would seem worth it. Um, I don't know what's going on with Dylan and Megan. I feel utterly confused. Uh, Megan's mom is, like, livid and fighting with Dylan because she's basically, you know, the classic situation of you get into a fight with your awful boyfriend and then you tell your family or your best friend what your awful boyfriend did and they are really upset about it because he did something really bad and then you're like just kidding (laughs) I'm gonna move back and everybody is proper pissed as they would say on this show and they have to have a row about it like Dylan is such an asshole about it he won't apologize like really all he needs to do is like apologize and say who's being stupid and that's not happening Megan and Dylan so far stars of the show by far actually I would say Megan and Mia those are the two stars um Naomi's interesting but a little like girl what are you doing like her her drama is just very basic and that she just has like a, a baby dad that she's still in love with that doesn't want to be with her like that's very basic Chloe's once again it's like yeah it's totally real she has postpartum depression she's struggling her boyfriend and her aren't great together But once again, that's kind of, you know, it's like normal drama. I'm loving someone who hates their stepdaughter, hates her, and I'm loving whatever is happening on this campground. (laughs) Like, 
All right, everyone. I think that's it for my teen mum analysis. I think I'll revisit it again next week. We'll see. I'm not totally sure, like, what I want to do overall. Um, We'll see what I'm in the mood for next week. But for all of you who have been, like, begging for me to cover teen mum, I hope you are happy. Once again, keep in mind, I do not know anything about these people. This is my impression on the first two episodes. (laughs) If you want to hear more from me, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. I hope everyone has a lovely week. Bye.